Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Rishi Nair. He's the co-founder and CEO at Pocket Health. Rishi, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Pocket Health is really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, definitely. I was born in Muscat, uh, in Oman actually, which is oh, a little, cool. country, little country in the Middle East, um, uh, Indian origin. Uh, we, we, uh, we came to Toronto um, as a family, immigrated here when I was, when I was quite young, about four or five. Um, so, you know, we, we had that new immigrant experience that's typical of, of, of so many people uh, in, in Canada and the United States. Um, but we, we grew up in an entrepreneurial household. Um, you know, I was one of three brothers. Um, my younger brother ended up going into medicine. My older brother, uh, who, will, who will come into the story, um, ended up going into uh, computer programming, software engineering. Um, and then oh, I was I was always uh, the most, I guess, business-minded. So um, I was always selling things as a kid and uh, went down that track um, as, as I grew up. Interesting. So you went to university. What did you take and why? Yeah, so... Um, I took, uh, I took, I went to um, uh, Richard Ivey School of Business um, at, in the, at the University of Western Ontario in uh, London, Ontario, and I took um, uh, really management. Um, uh, and uh, I learned about, uh, I really, uh, in those days, I thought being an investment banker was the coolest thing that you could do. Sounds kind of crazy now, but I, yeah, so I thought that, look, it's, uh, you're working on big deals, big numbers, you're advising companies on doing some some super, what I felt were exciting things, capital raising, um, stuff like that. And uh, I was like, look, I want to go to school and learn how to become an investment banker and become a you know, captain of industry, uh, captain of finance, or things like that. Interesting. Yeah. So you get out of school, walk us through your career up until coming up with the idea and founding uh, Pocket Health. Yeah, so I, I went to work in the corporate and investment banking group of Citigroup. So obviously, massive global bank hopped out of America. I worked in their Toronto office um, as a as an analyst, uh, helping my team advise basically the biggest financial institutions in Canada. And Canada, a lot of people don't know, actually have some of the biggest financial institutions in the entire world. Some of the biggest banks, oh, really? biggest, insur biggest insurers are all in Canada. So top tier banks and insurers on capital raising, um, uh, and mergers and acquisitions. Um, uh, so that, that, that capital markets, equity capital markets. And I learned a lot about, um, you know, at, at the high level about how financing works, um, how businesses are run and then, um, how you fund them, um, in a, in a, a capital efficient way. Interesting, which is probably perfect for, uh, pocket health and just being in the startup game in general. Yeah, but it's quite a jump to go from helping, uh, you know, you're used to to bees, so helping people raise billions, sure. and then when you yeah. start a company, you're not even at the M's 
or even the Ks, <laughs> you're you're down to the you're down to the singles, the single digits. Sure. Uh, uh, but you know, and and uh, but that's exciting on its own um, because sure. before before that single, it was a zero, right? So. No, that's that's totally fair. So, walk us through coming up with the idea for Pocket Health and what exactly made you decide to make the leap from kind of the corporate world into doing a startup. Yeah, so I need to back up. I I graduated, went to work at Citigroup as an analyst. At the same time, my older brother he did his electrical engineering at the University of Toronto. Obviously, he's a he's a he's a savant. Uh, he went to go and do his master's in engineering at at Stanford. Uh, he, so he went out oh, west, wow. and and then he graduated and was one of the early engineers at a startup. It was called Agawi, and they worked on virtualizing apps in the cloud. So imagine the oh, concept. You know, right now you're on an app on your phone, um, and uh, it's 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 being served up locally on your phone. Well, there's this concept that's that's and still it's still around that. Hey, uh, why don't we just store that app in the cloud? And then um, being able to deliver the experience without you ever having downloaded that app. Um, so first, they did it with gaming, and he was one of the senior engineers working on that streaming technology of video streaming, image streaming. So, so obviously comes in handy when you think about Pocket Health, uh, what it is today. Right. But, but um, he was working there, and then he was playing tennis, and he hurt his ankle. Um, okay. So, so this is my older brother. He goes uh, goes to the doctor. Doctor says, "Look, you need to get imaging done." Um, he's never had imaging. I've never had imaging at that point. Um, at the end of the appointment, he gets an X-ray and an MRI. And at the end of the appointment, they hand him two CD-ROMs. Um, what what year like, is this? Just for some context. Is, Sorry to interrupt you. This is 2013, I believe. Okay. And at that point, okay. like it was, it was already absurd. It wasn't odd. It wasn't like, hmm, that's interesting. It was, it was an absurd concept, even in 2013. So just kind of imagine sure. 2021, how crazy it is yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and uh, 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 so um, uh, he basically called me up. He had two key insights. And, he, uh, and uh, what, what I was talking to him, his name is Harsh. He, Harsh is saying, look, one, it's really cool I got this. The fact that they actually gave me access to the imaging is interesting on itself. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so that's 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 cool. Let's chalk that in. The, let's put that tick in like the positive column. But then he's like a CD-ROM. Like we're down, just the juxtaposition. Like he's in Silicon Valley. Um, he's actually in Sunnyvale, <laughs> California. To be, and he's like, look, down the street is YouTube, right? Down the street is Netflix. At his own startup, he's saying we're streaming uh, gigabytes of data down to people's phones and cutting edge. And this is like a 100 MB MRI and maybe a 10 MB X-ray. And it's two different CDs. Um, and this is how they do it. And, and yeah, he, he was a young, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's say, let's say somewhat affluent, you know, working at a startup guy, but then when you sort of extrapolate to, that's not the normal experience. Um, the, the, you know, most people would be taking time off work. They couldn't take a taxi to pick up the CD. They would be taking the bus there. Um, right. and right. So, so, uh, we were like, look, and at, at that point in time, you know, we were we were both starting to get, let's say, um, maybe a little bit less enamored with corporate life, and we're really wanted to build something together. And uh, this seemed like the perfect opportunity. The more and more and more research we did, we realized, no, it's not that clinic in Sunnyvale, California. It's every clinic. And no, it's not just clinics. It's 
the biggest hospitals. It's Cleveland Clinic. It, it, it's Mayo Clinic. It's MD Anderson. It's Mount Sinai in New York. It's, it's uh, the biggest hospitals in Toronto. We call the UK. We pretend, hey, we need to bring our mom there. How do I get a copy of my records? Can you email them? No, uh, you need a CD. So it's a universal problem and no one had solved this. And it seemed in our naivete back then that it was actually pretty easy to solve. You need like a Dropbox, drop some images in, pretty simple. And we can get into it while it was a lot harder than we thought. I think having that naivete back then was very helpful um, because we didn't know what we were getting into, but it gave us that confidence to sort of take the leap and, 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 and build this um, in a way that no one had ever built it before because we weren't the first people to think about solving this problem, but we were the first people to do it in this way and the first people to actually succeed doing it. Interesting. Okay. Before we get into all that, then what made you, what was the kind of final straw to decide to actually pursue this? I know you said it like it was a global kind of opportunity, but it's, it's, it's one thing to say like, okay, we should really do this, but like, what was the final straw to decide to actually make the leap and do this and walk us through kind of the early version of coming up with the, the first kind of version one that you yeah. went live with? It, it genuinely just seemed like more fun. It wasn't okay. um, like when you're, when you're, we, we both worked at massive organizations. So after, soon after this, the CD incident, uh, the startup that my brother was, at was acquired by Google. So then you sort of need to think I'm in Citigroup. That's a 300,000 person organization. Harsh is at Google. I don't know how many people there, 50,000, let's say. Um, but your, your work is so diluted um, across an entire organization. Um, and you just don't have the sense of ownership. And when you don't have that sense of ownership, there's less motivation and there's less learning. Um, this is not a sure. unique perspective. Uh, I know many, many talented people um, who, when they come into big organizations, they, they're not getting that, that same level of motivation. So, so when we finally found a problem that resonated with us, uh, we were like, wow, even if this even mildly succeeds and takes years, that sounds way more fun than spending the next couple of years, uh, you know, uh, learning the best place to put a button uh, on, you know, this new window in this one application that's part of a thousand applications that this company sells. Yeah, interesting. So did you guys both quit your jobs and go all in to Pocket Health day yeah. one or walk us through the yeah. early stages of that? It's it's a good question. A lot of people are are, are very successful. At, at doing the side hustle. I think side hustle is a really clever way to test an idea. Um, we went all in. Uh, we, we felt that look, okay. we just got, we got to do, we got to do this right. We did have a level of, of confidence that we felt that this would succeed. Uh, we just felt like we were a really good combination. We had, a, we had perfect skill sets when you aligned us together, very little overlap between our two skill sets, except in our values, um, which was the perfect thing. And uh, we knew, and uh, you know, if there was ever a conflict, uh, I could tell on him and, and call my mom. <laughs> so is what I always say. <laughs> so, so it was. Awesome. We uh, honestly, like, we felt that we were, we were, we were highly motivated to solve this problem. We had the skill set to to solve it, um, and uh, so we felt that look, uh, let's not, um, uh, let's not do a half measure. We have the confidence level. Let's quit our jobs and do it. Uh, which was yeah it was nerve-wracking but you know we had the support of our family we had the support of our our friends um and uh 
it just we just felt that this is more interesting than what we've been doing for the last couple of years. No, very cool. So yeah. I know you guys raised a bunch of money, but did you guys use your savings or move back home or kind of just bootstrap the first yeah. version or, or walk us through yeah, we, that journey up to raising money? Yeah, I, I think it's a really important part of our journey and one that's not shared enough, um, that the fact that uh, we bootstrapped uh, and uh, okay. we bootstrapped for the majority of our company's life, we've been bootstrapped. We felt that venture capital in the early days, It. Uh, I want to think of a, of a more uh, not as harsh of a word as corrupts, but that's the best word I can think of right now. It 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 it, it, it creates weird incentives, and when you're talking about and building, sure. yeah, and we felt that look, we want to build something that's sustainable. If we're storing patient data, we need to be here for the long run, and this sort of like rapid experimentation, trying to extract a lot of value, doing things with the data that you shouldn't be doing. A lot of things that that venture can push you towards out of necessity and out of misaligned incentives between yourself and and the venture capital industry, which I, which you know a lot of people are are well aware of and it's well documented. You know that can that can be a really poor environment to start a company in, start a long term company in. I still believe that to this day. I think I look back at our success and and almost all of it we can track back in one way or another out of just the sheer grind of having to make revenue from day one. No free, no free pilots, no, um, no like spending money on, on marketing and, and hoping that you get a click through rate. And if you can recover maybe 50% of your marketing spend, that's amazing. But like, you know, it, it, we had to build a business from the very beginning um, that, that just worked at the fundamental level, had positive operating margins, which is a crazy concept in the startup world, but that's how most businesses work. And that's the type of business we wanted to build. No, I, yeah, it it yeah. always kind of fascinates me because if, like if you and I set up a brick and mortar business, it doesn't even matter what it is. Yeah, you're basically expected to generate revenue the day you open yeah. your doors. Of course, but like, but in the startup world, you can put off revenue for a decade, and that's totally acceptable. And I'm not I'm not really saying one's better than the other. It's just it's interesting how when you put something online. The rules, the traditional rules kind of go out the window in a lot of cases, right? Yeah. But, and sometimes but, but, that's good and other times it's not good. But, but one, I genuinely believe that there are situations where you can draw the line and say one is better than the other. And when you're talking about healthcare, it's not transactional. It's not one time uh, a patient interacts with you and they never interact you, with you again. They expect that the next time they log on, you're there. There's been notable examples anyone listening, just Google like patient access um, USA or anything like that. There's been so many examples of, of initiatives to give patients access to their records and they fail and then they shut down and patients lose their records. Right. And sure. right. And, and that's just something that is not acceptable given what these records are being used for, which is like critical care. Um, and it is, it is nerve wracking, the whole bootstrap thing, going back to the second part of your question, um, yeah, you're eating through savings. Like we didn't, um, you know, we didn't take any loans. We didn't do the credit card debt thing. Uh, you know, our, our dad's an accountant and we, we, uh, I guess we're, we're a little bit conservative fiscally. Um, so we saved literally every single penny, um, that we could, uh, for, for our first couple of years out of school, um, you know, lived like monks. And then when we, when we were ready to start this company, we knew that one, we could own all of it. 
um, which was really important in terms of building the vision that we wanted and not that anyone sure. else wanted. Um, and two, that we could not, we didn't have to worry or draw salary for a while. Um, and that's obviously a very privileged position. We, we worked hard to put ourselves in that position, but it is a very privileged position. Um, we didn't get help from family or friends, um, um, but uh, we, uh, we had to live pretty frugally. And it's, it is scary when you're used to saving to see sure. every, every week that number actually goes down and yeah. down and down yeah. and down. So, uh, but we just, you, and you just have to be emotionally prepared for that. And uh, it's, I won't lie, it's very tough. It's very, very tough in the early days when there's so much rejection and, and you're, um, you're not sure if what you're doing is right. Um, and everyone would say, hey, CDs are here. There's big guys, well-funded guys in the US. They haven't been able to solve this problem. CDs are here. Um, why are you doing this? Um, which again, sounds kind of absurd. I'm saying it out loud. I'm sure you must think like, what a weird opinion to have that CDs are like the future. <laughs> but um, that's, that, was, that was genuinely the consensus. Um, so so it's, it was, it was uh, it's a, it, you need grit. Like, I don't know. And I don't know how, where we found that. Um, and, uh, but we did. And then, uh, you know, got us through it. Well, it, it sounds like you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that you kind of mentioned it earlier in the show where it's like you were just sick of working at a big company and your brother just felt like a cog in kind of the, the big machine, right? And you wanted yeah. you, you wanted out of that and you, the motivation to probably keep this thing going and figure out how to make it is so you don't have to go back to that. Like that's one yeah. of my big motivations for being a, an entrepreneur is like I don't really want to get a job that I hate and I hate doing the work that I'm doing, right? Yeah. It's like, that's what keeps me going. It's like, yeah. the alternative sucks. <laughs> yeah. And so much of it is like, it's really like tightrope walking. Like totally. you can't, you have to just think, like if you if you think about the entire journey ahead, it's overwhelming and totally. you're probably going to give up. So you just think, you celebrate the small wins. You just think, hey, one more step. So like we would... Like we would make like five dollars of revenue. Like I remember our first, like, like maybe maybe six months after launching, we made our first dollar of revenue, and it was like five dollars. And so maybe that week we had like maybe two, two patients sign up, and we made like ten bucks that week. And this was like the best week ever. Um, totally. And, and now, if we did that, I'd be like, oh my god, <laughs> we're <laughs> we're. Uh, but but you can't. If I had to think then and bridge to where we are now, it would be so overwhelming um, as two just solo entrepreneurs that I, it would have been very demotivating. So like you have to like strategically, at least what worked for us is you have to just strategically just focus on the next like week, next couple of weeks, but then you have to pair that with building something that will work in the long term. So it's quite a challenge. Um, and, a, uh, and so it's a perfect balance um, that, we didn't always get right, but we, I think we got, we, we did most of the time, which I'm, which I'm grateful for. No, that that's really great. So you guys have been around for over five years now. How has the platform evolved from the early days up until uh, like today? Because you mentioned earlier that, you know, you thought it was going to be easy, just like throw up a Dropbox yeah. account and upload some images. So how has it kind of, changed into what it is today and and walk us through some of the complexities you've and challenges you've come up against and 
solved? Yeah, so the core of the platform has stayed the same. Um, okay. it's, it, is a, it is a sense of, I guess, pride. We never had to pivot. Our, the core of our platform was always give patients access to their imaging records, build a viable business just on that basis in a way that patients would own their records, they would fund their records, they would pay for it. That's still the vast majority of revenue on our platform. So, okay. so what was a, what was a, a challenge was, um, you know, uh, building the connect, like we had no idea what, how healthcare systems work. We didn't know what a PAX was for those who are listening. A PAX is think of it like a, it's like a storage for imaging that, that imaging centers use PACS if anyone wants to Google it. But, um, it's a, a you know, we didn't know how to build that connectivity. So we were figuring that out as we went. Uh, our, our original version of file transfer was like, you know, with Dropbox, you'll, you'll drag and drop files in. And uh, yeah. yeah, but imagine doing that for like every piece of imaging that a clinic is doing. And that obviously that clinic at some point would say, guys, this is like almost as much work as burning a CD. Why can't you sure. just pull, pull it directly? So, so we, there was a lot of maturity and I'm talking about very, like our first couple of months, just figuring out how, how all this even worked, um, learning about how patients interacted with the platform and what they actually did with their imaging records and, and at what point in their care that, that, that we sat in. Um, and now we've learned that it's a really critical part in their care journey, right at the beginning, right at diagnosis, where we find ourselves connecting with our, with our customer, which is a really exciting place to be. Um, and you know, a lot of our future plans kind of, uh, spill over from that realization. Um, but, but, um, so that's the, but the, the core of the platform stayed the same. What started happening over the years is that we got a lot of, I want to say healthy feedback from our, from these large hospitals and clinics that were saying, look, this is great that I can share imaging with my patients and they're happy and, uh, they're, you know, they're sharing with their doctors, but, but, um, what if we need to share imaging directly with our doctors? You know, we don't, not all the time, most of the time the patient can do it, but what if the patient's unconscious? What if this is like an urgent oh, transfer? Um, it, we have to urgently transfer this imaging to the pediatric center. This is, let me paint a very common scenario. Uh, okay. It's a kid, kid, they get very sick. They're taken immediately to the trauma center that's closest to them. Then they get stabilized, then they need to move to the pediatric center that's actually specialized in providing that care, right? Right, sure. like I mean, I mean, airlifted. This is where minutes matter. Um, right now, they burn a CD and tuck it in the patient's file. That process takes about half an hour. Imagine like waiting, like literally, uh, think wow. helicopter on the tarmac. The patients needs to be transferred to a pediatric center, and you're waiting for a CD-ROM. Like it's like literally. Yeah, wow. You, like, you want you want to you want to strangle someone, right? Like it's it's uh sure. it's 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 an absurd thought. Um, so they were like, look, what are we gonna ask? the patient's parents at that time to sign up for pocket health. Like that doesn't make sense, right? Like, yeah, we of course want the patient to be in charge of the imaging and have control over it, but there's definitely scenarios where we need to, we meaning the hospital needs to be able to push it directly to the other hospital um, right. for that scenario. Like so then, yeah. yeah. So then our realization was, look, we built this really amazing sharing system that lets patients share with their doctor. So then we exposed that same system directly to the hospital. So now they can share with patients. Now they can also share with other hospitals and clinics. We call that provider to provider sharing. So patient sharing and then provider to provider sharing. And then the last piece is then these hospitals said, okay, that's great. I'm not burning CDs anymore, but I'm, I'm still getting tons of them. And getting oh, these, think about like when you visit a new hospital, hopefully you've been healthy, aren't going to hospitals too often, but they often say, 
well, I need your prior. I need your prior imaging. Um, right. And getting that prior imaging is a mess into the hospital. And then they have to import it. If anyone's dealt with merging two databases together, um, yeah, it's, a it's a nightmare. So imagine <laughs> having to take, take some other hospital's imaging and merge it into your imaging database. So they said, hey, could you have a solution for that? And we said, yeah, we can actually build this in a way that no one else is doing it. Um, and we call that universal importing. So that's been the progression of the platform today. It used to be just patient sharing. We're still patient-centric. The vast majority of the revenue is from patients and will always be from patients. Um, that's just uh, the type of company that we're building. Um, but we have this really big B2B side of the business that's, that's, uh, that, that's been created that um, also has the provider sharing, provider to provider sharing functionality and universal importing functionality. So now we're, we're a highly competitive best in class image management suite, but with the patient at the center uh, where they still fund our operations. So we are beholden to them to create the best experience, um, which no other, uh, no other player is really able to do. Interesting. Okay, so then how, Walk us through the business model a little bit. So like, use me as an example. So I'm a patient, I hurt my arm or something, or use your brother, I guess. Like, how would you have solved your brother's problem? And then how do you monetize yeah. that platform yeah, on your brother? Now, yeah, so now he would walk into Sunnyvale uh, Medical Imaging. He would get his x-ray MRI. Everything was still normal, right? Uh, as he walks okay. out, if he asks for a CD, they say, hey, we don't do that anymore. Go to pocket.help slash Sunnyvale. Um, and just okay. sign up online. A few minutes later, you'll get the imaging. Um, it's five bucks and you'll get your entire imaging history at, at Sunnyvale. Um, if you can't, if you're having an issue, you can't afford it, just call them, email them. They'll give you a code um, and they'll just wipe the fee away. So we do that for all of our hospitals. We do that uh, thousands of times um, uh, um, a month for our patients. For our patients. So uh, we call that our financial assistance policy. I mean, you should, if, if $5 makes a really big difference for a patient, they, hundred percent should not be paying to get access to, to what are really pictures of their own body. Uh, I think that's a pretty yeah, fundamental but, thing. But, that you, you, but that's also nice of you guys to do that, right? Because like a it, lot of people, it, or a lot of companies would. It is, but this goes back to the bootstrap thing, uh, right? It's awesome right. to control, to control your company and be like, I don't care. I don't care that we're losing, yeah, okay. that, we're, that we're leaving X thousand dollars or, or X million dollars on the table. Um, it's a, uh, this is something that makes us feel good because, yep. and, and that is part, like when you're an own, when you're, when you're running a business, um, yeah, like money is a, obviously a huge part of it. Like we need to pay people's salaries, but it's not the sure. only thing. Um, like when you, when you move into a house, yeah, you look at the square footage, but that's not the only thing. It's like, how do you feel? Do you like waking up there? Do you like the neighborhood? Right. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's very multifaceted thing. So if, and if I want to be able to go home and, and uh, talk to my mom about the business or talk to our younger brother who's a doctor. And I don't want any sense that we're predatory or that like, you you know, uh, yeah, that's like, uh, and, and that's, and that's like a purely just myself and my brother. That's just how we, how we want to feel about the work that we're doing. Um, and again, it really just, it's cool that, you know, we can make that decision. Um, and, uh, and, and be able to to do that independently. Very cool. So how do you, well, you guys have landed and are in a ton of big 
medical hospitals, imaging centers across North America. Yeah. Walk us through some advice for actually getting some of those early sales because I've worked in healthcare before. It can be one of the most challenging industries to do anything in, never mind sales. Yeah. It, it is, um, it is definitely a challenge. We have a couple of things working in our favor. Um, okay. One, pa patients are our advocates. We are, we're a big believer in, in product led growth, um, okay. which means that the, um, just, uh, I guess like a weird futuristic way of saying that, you know, the product sells itself to an extent, doesn't mean it's completely, you know, without a sales team, we do have a sales team, but the majority of our, of our, of our client base was sold without a sales team. It was sold by patients. Um, kind of being our advocates and bringing it to their hospitals saying, look, I just went to um, XYZ hospital and they gave it to me electronically. And now you're telling me to come in, pay for parking and get the CD-ROM. Um, and that just naturally leads to just inbounds. Um, that's one thing that's really worked in our favor. Uh, the other the other piece is that our timing is great. So there are solutions, there have been solutions on the mar on the market for a really long time. Everyone is still burning as many or more CDs than they did when they adopted those solutions. So it's really, and meanwhile, every hospital that we deploy in goes to zero CD. We ask them to put it on their website even, um, one, so they can uh, communicate this to their patients, so their patients aren't coming on site to get a CD. They can just get it electronically through Pocket Health, but also to help prove because literally it's unbelievable. Um, and that sounds so funny and a little bit sad at the same time that that the fact that the hospital is not burning CDs is unbelievable in 2021, but it is. Um, so we like to put it, ask them to put it on their website. So at least they can communicate to other hospitals that they've achieved that standard. So, so um, to, to loop it back to sales and achieving deployments at a decent rate, um, it's, it's a, it's a good time because we've been able to prove out that we've been able to bring hospitals to zero CD. And then let's say legacy, legacy players, have had their shot and they haven't been able to. I, I will say proof is in the pudding. Like how can you spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars a year on a solution and then you're burning more CDs than you did before? Um, and I always say it's only in healthcare. Like only in healthcare can you yeah. get away with something like that. There's so much just uh, 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 just stuff happening at the margins and so much money flying around that you can you can kind of survive without adding value. And it's up to you if you're building something in healthcare to make sure you're adding value because you can make money without adding value. So I think it's the only industry where you can do that. Um, so it's not about make, making money can't be the KPI that you go after because it doesn't really mean anything. It just means you build a successful model, right? But are yeah, you actually are you actually adding value? I think you need to think about that in healthcare. Sure. So then when you get, when you're onboarding a new imaging center or hospital or whoever, walk us through that process. And, and is there, does it cost that hospital or imaging center any money to get pocket health in their uh, clinic? If they just want patient sharing, no, it doesn't cost a cent. Like if they're just like, okay. Hey, if we just want to share imaging with our patients, it's 100% patient funded. Like we do, okay. we, we, we install it. Um, we, we train their staff. Um, we, we literally print the posters and we'll fly down and put up the posters. 
Um, wow. And yeah, like, I mean, in COVID, we, we, uh, we print the posters, our, our amazing customer success team, they, um, they put adhesives on the back of every poster. So they don't even need okay. to put the stickies on. And then they, they give them a walkthrough of where in their hospital. Uh, they should be they should be putting the posters up and things like that. So so we do all of that. It doesn't cost anything. Um, if they if they want the other functionality, uh, provider sharing and universal importing, which is quite common. You know, people want to solve this problem. Um, yep. Then it's we're a standard you know SaaS product. Um, right. And uh, and you know we go through regardless of whether they're paying or not. It's your standard stuff. You're you're talking to different people in the organization. You're doing demos. You're demonstrating value. Um, you're helping them understand the ROI. You're giving them comfort around your implementation process. You're proving that this is a light lift. It's a light lift for the clinical team. It's a light lift for the for the tech for the IT team who are all swamped. And this and this 2020 was a nightmare of a year for all of these people. They're exhausted, as you can probably guess. Um, and uh, so we're we're doing all of that. And I I fundamentally I haven't sold products in any other industry, but I have to believe that it's 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 truly the same. Right, uh, you're 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 finding your champion, someone who where this value proposition truly resonates with them. They see this problem, and then you work with them to to deploy it in their organization. No, that that makes a lot of sense. You guys also have some stuff for developers. I don't really want to get too technical, but how can developers leverage Pocket Health in their applications? Yeah, it's a good question. We have a lot of scenarios where you have these uh, people who are building systems for hospitals already. That might be a PAX. That might be a risk. Okay. Uh, these are different yeah. workflow solutions for the radiology department um, where they want to integrate some sort of sharing or or um, or image viewing capability for their patients. Um, so so we do have the we do have a really robust API that allows these 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 vendors to integrate pocket health um, with varying levels of complexity into their existing applications, um, which lets them um, you know have a have a leading experience for their clients. They can now go to their clients and say, hey, not only do we have a a great PAX or a great RIS, like a RIS is like a workflow solution inside a radiology department. Not only do we have a great workflow solution for your for your radiology department, but we're 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 integrated closely with with the number one uh, player for 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 getting patients their images getting other hospitals your images repatriating images to your hospital um and and that's been a, a quite successful strategy though still the majority of our deployments are and and i i, I believe will continue to be um it's just direct deployments where where we have no prior affiliation with any vendor or anything at the hospital um but we're just going in and doing the connectivity ourselves Got you. No, that makes a lot of sense. So you guys recently within the last year actually raised money. What made you decide to go away from kind of bootstrapping into actually raising money? It was really the traction in the, in the United States. Uh, so, you know, we we started doing deployments in the U.S. It, it, it started getting away from us in terms of in, in a positive way that that we were there was just so much more demand than we expected. Okay. And just this was all pre-COVID. Um, right. so, so just, uh, just imagine early 2020 when we thought the world was great and nothing bad was going to happen that year. 
So, so go back, go back to that time. Um, and, uh, you know, we felt, wow, like this is, there is an incredible opportunity here. We had finally found ourselves in terms of our place in the world. We, you know, we knew we had this great product and we knew that, um, uh, this was making a real impact for so many patients and their families, but we finally found our place in terms of where we sat in the competitive landscape. And it was in such a, let's say, it was in the best. It was the it was the best case scenario that we could have imagined. Uh, we were we we had that we felt we had the market leading product at least a couple of years ahead of anyone else. We felt we had a repeatable sales process, great feedback coming from all of our deployments in the U.S. Um, and uh, we needed to uh, pour pour gasoline on the fire. We felt that we had just a couple of years of opportunity to to uh, really solve this problem across the entire United States and then elsewhere in the world. And um, we, uh, we made the decision to, 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 to take in outside funding um, and be able to, to accelerate that path. Um, uh, what happened, it all worked out. Luckily, we, 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 we closed the deal. So we signed the term sheet and, we, and then we actually closed the deal April 1st, I think. So oh, wow. we just, so we had this great profitable growing business we just raised um millions of dollars in funding um and then it's like everyone in the world woke up because of covid and realized oh i can't burn cvs anymore i can't yeah. ask wow. patients so it was an incredible timing obviously not uh planned like that sure. and but um we were super well positioned to just really grow on our success in the us and just kind of take that even further no that's that's really great. So you guys are obviously successful in the healthcare space. What advice do you give to other people that are looking to maybe break into the healthcare space? Because I've done a bunch of work in healthcare and it is honestly one of the trickiest industries to actually break into. So like kudos to you guys for doing it. And I get like, it makes a lot of sense. You kind of have this like freemium model, get in there, well, it's freemium from like a pay, a per, uh, from the doctor's kind of point of view or the hospital's view. And if they want the add-ons, you upsell them, which makes a lot of sense. But I think figuring that out is really challenging in, in the healthcare space. So like, what advice do you give people? Yeah, uh, I think try to find an angle that makes it less hard. Uh, that sounds glib, so I'll expand. Uh, basically, try to find like as close to a direct-to-consumer um, or, or direct B2B angle that you can, um, uh, and then you can get into the fuzzy stuff later. So like, let, 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 let's like something that seems difficult to me is, Hey, uh, I have this one piece of software that will reduce readmissions by 2% or something like that over the next year for your patients, because it, it monitors them. Let's, I'm, okay. I'm just making something up. Um, sure. but who who benefits from that? Um, it's so diluted, and I don't know this. I don't know this 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 piece of the pie uh, that well. So I might be speaking out of turn. If some entrepreneur is building something like this, is listening, don't get mad at me. But just for for example's sake, um, it's it's diluted across a number of different stakeholders. It's difficult to measure. Um, does it actually increase revenue or save costs? Um, and you have to go through a lot of work to just build even the MVP. So. Uh, so that's one, that's one example. The other example is maybe like, well, we did a pocket elf. 
we just built this Dropbox style thing. Again, go back to 2016, like way back in 2016 when we were founded. Built this Dropbox style thing as we thought about it back in the day um, and went to one clinic, just had to convince that one clinic to do it. And then every one patient that used it, we made some money and that patient didn't need other patients to have it, to get value from it. They didn't need other clinics to have it, to get value from it. They just paid us five bucks and we're like, that's awesome. That's great. We never thought we could even make five bucks from this. Um, so, so there is always a direct to consumer angle to do it um, and just try to find that angle. It'll make your life a lot easier. And there's a playbook for that angle. When you're just selling something directly to a consumer, um, that's, it doesn't matter if it's you're selling, um, um, you know, like let's say pharmaceutical generics uh, paired up with a virtual care offering like uh, like him's and hers that just went uh, public recently. There's no difference right. between that and and like, uh, you know, like a, a Wayfair uh, website. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there are differences, but in terms of like the playbook to scale yeah, and, and grow. Um, so just my advice would be like, try to find the spin that just makes it easier on yourself. Like don't pick like the hardest angle. You can work your way into the harder angles um, as, as time passes. Sure. Well, and you guys are proof of that, right? Like yeah. you broke in and then you actually opened up additional kind of verticals that are just adjacent to what you're really originally doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's just, it's the MVP angle, like find like the, like the most narrow way you can deliver value and start with that first. Um, a lot of, like I, I, I have people talk to me about ideas all the time and there's, they, they rely on so many things being in place. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, like, you're, yeah, like, like you can't, your MVP can't work like that. That can be your end goal. Like, Hey, in a couple of years, we think these key foundational elements will be in place. And that's, that's how we can achieve, you know, like a, a multi-billion dollar total addressable market. Now, like that totally makes sense. Right. And you can work and you can influence those things to become in place. But at the beginning, you should have almost, you should need almost no foundation. You should just be able to work on what exists currently in the world and then you shape the world to, to, to advantage, you know, what you're trying to achieve. Um, so instead of the other way around, instead of hoping that things will just magically change and then you'll have this great product at the exact right time, um, to yeah. take advantage of it. That's actually really good advice. The other thing then that, that makes me think of like, how long did it take you guys to get your first version to pitch to that first clinic? Was it months? How, like what, roughly, do you remember? like a month maybe a wow. max you only spent a um, month on yeah. development that's awesome yeah like I that's mean, really great well but just to be clear before my brother kills me I, that's like for the mvp that's like to have something yeah okay for sure to yeah. show to show like what this looks like what it would feel like what the end user experience is what is the value that you're delivering right and then right. you you pitch them and then you're like cool well now we have to build it <laughs> and uh, oh, okay okay and, so you didn't actually right? have like a buildable working version that could deploy in a month um like within that month we no it, it took it took a, it took longer than that but we had enough to demonstrate the end user experience which is really the key gotcha. thing that we wanted to prove yeah. out and okay. then when we we're like oh, and then we're like okay now once this is going to be storing real healthcare data we got to make yeah. sure it's it's compliant we're we're encrypting things right. properly that there's there's audit trail um and, and things like that so how long did that take then after that MVP for the month? Was it like a few more months? 
Yeah, I'd say maybe six more months, eight, okay. something like that. Yeah. Okay. For which for still like isn't a basic, that bad. For like, no, it's not. But for like, imagine a basic version that would just work at that one clinic, right? Okay. Um, and 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 then you kind of progress from there. No, I I think that's that's really good advice. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about Pocket Health and any other links you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, I just go to pocket.health. There's no .com, just pocket.health. And you'll find out everything you need to know. Um, and uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, click the contact us button, email us feedback. Um, you know, what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help patients access a greater level of personalized care through the power of their own healthcare records. That's, that's really why we're here. If you have any ideas, any feedback on how we can do a better job at that, you know, pains that you've had in your own personal healthcare journey um, that, that you think has led to some insights that you think would, um, would help us better understand our, our users. I'm, I'm always all ears and I, I love to hear from people um, and I'll always respond. Uh, so, so please do, please do contact us through the website and, and um, I'll be sure to personally respond myself. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin, for having me. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.